Hey, what's going on, everyone? How you guys doing? Welcome back to Stranger Days. My name is Matt Jarbo. This is episode number three. I know I did one like two weeks ago, and then I got really busy. I ended up taking on a third job working for the United States government. Uh, no, I'm not the kind of G-man you think I am, but uh, it's definitely been a bit of a fun, wild, crazy experience so far, and I still wanted to keep this thing going. I want to talk about the weird news of the day as often as I can. And of course, today we're going to be talking about a new TikTok trauma porn phenomenon, this new craze where girls are pretending to cosplay as uh, as victims of the Holocaust. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to be talking about a young woman who was believed to be dead, miraculously discovered to be alive when at the mortuary. And a couple teens in the Middle East discovered a whole bunch of gold coins which uh, is really interesting when you look at the history of the situation. So that is the lineup for today's Stranger Days. Remember, if you guys are uh, new to this, you're finding this on YouTube over on the uh, the channel, please be sure to leave a like, a comment, and subscribe. And uh, let's dive right in. So first, let's talk about this woman, this 20-year-old woman found alive at a funeral home after pandemic, or after paramedics, not pandemics, paramedics declared her dead. Yeah. So it says here, a young woman has been found alive at a Detroit funeral home after she was declared dead by paramedics. The Southfield Fire Department said a 20-year-old woman was found dead inside a home in Southfield after family members called 911. So family members walked in, discovered this young woman, believed her to be dead, contacted the fire department. The fire department said that when paramedics arrived, they found that the woman was not breathing. They performed CPR and other life-reviving methods for 30 minutes. Given medical readings and the condition of the patient, it was determined at the time that she did not have any signs of life, says Chief Johnny L. Menefee. So these guys went in there, trained EMTs, went in there, and they see this woman, and she is on the ground, and she is lifeless, and they provide life-reviving methods for 30 minutes. And then all indications suggest that she is dead. No life signs, no vitals, no nothing. She is dead. Well, whoopsie, because even though the chief reported that there was no indication of foul play, the paramedics involved in the Oakland County Medical Examiner's office, uh, as per standard pr uh, procedure requires, the woman was again determined as deceased. So they found no evidence of foul play. They found her what they believed to be dead. They marked her as being deceased and off she went to the mortuary. <laughs> so the patient was determined to have expired and the body was released directly to the family to make arrangements with the funeral home of their choosing. So they basically like, look, this girl's dead. You guys do with her what you want. We're so sorry, but our work here is done. Our hands are wiped clean. Everything is, is not, uh, is, is off our back. Okay, fine. So an official at the Oakland County Medical Examiner's Office did say that uh, it was not involved in declaring the woman dead. So the EMTs are who they're throwing under the bus on this one. The firefighters are who they're throwing under the bus on this one. And I'm fine with that because they, def they definitely screwed up. But they declared her to be dead and immediately released the body to the family. Uh, now, however, staff at the James H. Cole Funeral Home took the woman to their facility and noticed that, um, yeah, she was still alive. They said here, while it is our practice to not comment on open investigations, we can confirm that on Sunday, 23rd of August, 2020, we received a call to pick up a Southfield woman who was deceased, the mortuary said in statement. Upon 
her arrival at the funeral home, our staff confirmed that she was breathing and called the EMS. I don't know if EMS is really like the, the people you should call at that point in time. I don't know if EMS is the people you should call. Now, they did take her to the hospital uh, where she's at, I still believe, right now. And the police are currently investigating the situation because, for one, what brought this woman to have no vitals for 30 minutes while the EMTs performed these life-reviving methods? Okay, that's one thing. How did that happen? Two, how did they not know what was going on? She would have been breathing during that 30 minutes. Now, I asked a friend of mine about this, and he was like, not to be too insensitive, but is it possible she was just so overweight? Because we know nothing about this 20-year-old woman. We know no details. Just that she's 20, and she's female, and she was dead, and now she's miraculously alive. That's what we know. And they're asking the question about that. Is it possible she was so overweight that they were not able to determine vitals? Which is an idea. And the likelihood of the situation, my speculation, personal speculation on this has everything to do probably with uh, the idea that she probably uh, was um, ODing on something. But hey, as far as weird news goes, this one's pretty goddamn funny. And two, I'm very happy that she's alive. So let's talk about something that's uh, that's funny, but still absolutely tragic because it's so dumb. And that would be all of these TikTok influencers that are now pretending to be Holocaust victims. In heaven, in a new trend dubbed trauma porn, it's just a screen grab I was able to get from the article of some of these women. The one in the middle, it's, yeah, so I died in Holocaust 1941. I mean, she's wearing a modern t-shirt. She's got braces. She's got her hoop earrings. She's got her makeup done. The other two, at least, one wearing the Star of David, another one wearing a uh, a rag on her head and looks sullen in, in the striped pajamas. She, at least, they were, they were, look, they were striving for authenticity. The one in the middle is just lazy. Let's find out more here. So a new disturbing trend on TikTok involves young people pretending to be Holocaust victims in heaven. In the videos, creators appear to be wearing makeup that imitates burns or bruises while explaining how they died in Nazi-run death camps. Other versions show people acting out representations of genocide of the Jewish people during World War II, in some cases using the background image of Auschwitz concentration camp network. So on TikTok, if you don't know, and I, I have a feeling those listening may or may not know, you can actually kind of, uh, it uses an algorithm to kind of remove the main, the main actor and then replaces it with what you want. So that's what they were doing here. Now, some creators don a yellow star of David, like the ones Jews were forced to wear or dress up in striped shirts to mimic the concentration camp uniforms worn by prisoners of Hitler's third Reich. Like I said, the one woman... <laughs> In the middle of that previous image, uh, she put in no effort. The other two put in effort. So, I mean, did they get did they get any points for trying? Probably not. But at the same time, you cannot. You can't, I don't know. I feel like you could still be mad at them, but it's <laughs> what the hell? All right. So here's a couple of images I put together. If you're listening to the audio podcast version of this and not the YouTube video, uh, more or less, it's it's two young women. Uh, one has got like you know very sullen. Uh, cheeks, sunken back eyes, you know, uh, sepia based filter on and, and she was, uh, in heaven and she, the video in question shows her, uh, saying like, you know, oh, hi, I, I died in, I died in the gas chambers in Auschwitz. And then like the girl, the person, whoever's dead, was in heaven was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then she looks at the camera and just goes, thank you. <laughs> like, okay. And then the other one here is this young woman with, uh, really, I don't know if those are contact lenses or whatever. Those eyes are freaky. Uh, again, 
you know, trying her best to look like she was in a, like she was in a concentration camp, uh, saying things like, and the Nazis came down and they broke my door. You know, I mean, <laughs> what? what the hell? Anyway, so the trend has caused an outcry on social media with one person tweeting, I am sad that this has become something people think is okay to practice their makeup and acting abilities with, which I, I get. Yeah. Another person wrote, right. Can we now, can we please stop making Holocaust trends on TikTok? It's straight up anti-Semitism. And you all let it slide. I'm actually going to disagree with the anti-Semitism aspect there. Now, granted, I am in no position to make that claim. Uh, I do have Jewish ancestry on my father's side, which doesn't count. However, uh, I think if people are just like, they're, I, I don't view it as anti-Semitism because they're not glorifying it in the sense of like, this was a good thing. I think they're, they're, they're doing it and they realize that it was a bad thing. So there's that. Uh, now, the TikTok videos could uh, be ill-informed attempt to raise awareness around the Holocaust and teach others about its history. It could be an ill-informed attempt. Uh, you know, these kids aren't in school. They want to learn. What do they want to learn about? I don't know, like the death of 6 million people in the Holocaust. Why not? You know, I mean, they're not getting it in school. Do you really want to go onto the internet and ask, <laughs> is the Holocaust real? I mean, you might you might meet some very nefarious online individuals that tend to talk about uh, how, it, uh, you know, it, it, you couldn't do it the way that they said it happened. Uh, and those people are over on a platform called DLive because they've been pushed out of the the uh, the other remnants of modern society. Anyway, so a 17-year-old girl from New Jersey who didn't want to be named for this story did tell the Insider article, uh, the journalist here, that she pretended to be a Holocaust victim in a TikTok video in order to educate people and because she felt it was important to share these stories. Her character in the video is described as being deported with her family to Auschwitz, where they were all murdered in gas chambers saying, I've always been interested in the history of the Holocaust and just wanted to make a creative video informing people about it on TikTok. It was never meant or never intended to be offensive. She has since removed the video. Look, I'm just going to say this. I think you guys might out there agree with me on this one, but if you're going to sit there and you're going to attack, not attack, you're going to, you're going to, this is kind of a mockery. It may be done with like the best of intentions, but the road to hell is paved in good intentions. All things considered, this is kind of ridiculous to me, but others view it as trauma pornography and say that it's offensive for people with family members who have survived or died in the war. Um, I, in the war is one way of looking at it, I guess. I don't know. I would say people who have survived or died in the camps probably have a bit more of an upset at it. But a 19-year-old Jewish woman from Los Angeles is uh, identified as Brianna posted a lengthy thread about the trend on Twitter. She told Wired here, our obsession with trauma porn when discussing tragic histories has only motivated a desire to dramatize these narratives. It can be very triggering for people who have family that either survived or was lost in the war. Now, I actually find that to be a very astute point. And, and one of the reasons why is because I do another podcast called Milk Carton Mysteries where I talk about current true crime. And I cover a lot of current deaths and murders and things like that. And when I talk about those, sometimes people get very upset that I'm talking about those. They think that I'm dramatizing it or that I'm creating a narrative or they think that I'm doing something inappropriate, even though I'm just talking about what's happening. And so those people then get mad at me and like, you need to take this down. You can't talk about this. And it's like, well, no, I can talk about this. You don't have to listen. And, and that's the whole aspect of it. Like, I get it. Like, I've had family members reach out to me over some of these things. And, and I try to be very up. I try to be as, as appropriate as I can. But I understand they're grieving and they think that it's just nothing for clicks and for views. I get that. 
But uh, so I think she has a good point to be made here. But at the same time, it's like, I think it's stupid to dress up like a victim. That's my point on it. I think you should, you should talk about the atrocities of the Holocaust. You should tr talk about the atrocities of the war. Uh, even though it's been, you know, it's like the last great war. So, I mean, even greater than, well, I don't want to say greater. It's not, you know, Vietnam and Korea and Operation Iraqi Freedom and all that stuff. But it's like we we go back to it because I feel like it was more of a simpler time. It was very, very true. Good versus evil back in World War II. Everything else since then has been muddled as all hell. And that was the last time we had the allies and the Axis. And people knew what, who was good and they knew who was bad. And I think that's why we go back to it because it's very easy to define the people involved who were, who were not doing good. Anyway, Diane Saltzman here, the director of survivor affairs at the U S Holocaust museum says imitating Holocaust experiences dishonors the memory of the victims is offensive to survivors and trivializes the history. The museum encourages everyone, especially young people to learn about the Holocaust and understand the lessons it holds for us today. Well, I mean, where we got information from 20 years ago is vastly different from where we get information from today. And so the, I, you know, Diane, I get what she's trying to say, but she could also be a little bit on the wrong side here by trying to point out that this is something that's bad, uh, the way that they're going about it, saying that it trivializes it. I mean, not everyone is going to do it in the most proper way. I understand the idea of it being ill-informed and I do believe that it is ill-informed, but just to kind of act as a contrarian on what Diane was saying there, uh, who is she to describe who can get educated in what particular way? If these videos open up a dialogue with someone who maybe never wanted to learn about it or never found it interesting or never actually gave a crap. Now they're in a position, maybe they want to learn. So it could have the opposite effect of not trivializing it, but encouraging education, which looking at where we are today and not wanting history to repeat itself in some aspects does make a fair amount of sense. But in the aspect of, of trivialization, I'm not going to put the image on the screen because I don't want this video getting taken down. But a long time ago, there was a post on 4chan, and it's one of the weirder stories out of 4chan. A guy was in France, and he had stolen a skull out of the catacombs, and he wanted to find a way to smuggle it back into America. So he went on 4chan and was asking for advice. Now, people at the time gave him advice, but one person also said, hey, why don't you insert your penis into it? And the guy did it. He took pictures of it. It's literally one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And he did it. And so the reason why I'm bringing that up is when they talk about the trivialization of those who have died, those people are dead. They're never coming back. So I find that to be a bit weird. But at the same time, the dude who died or woman who died, whose skull ended up, skeleton ended up in the catacombs underneath France, found through just... The process of time, the internet, and reverse osmosis found their skull being penetrated by the penis of an anon on the internet. You have no control what happens once you die. That's the point I'm trying to make here. So, <laughs> I don't know. Would you rather? Would you rather these TikTok videos educate people, or would you rather them make a mockery of it by finding a way to turn it into something sexual? And therefore putting their penis into it. I don't know. It's a question I have for you guys. You have to let me know down in the comment section. <laughs> and I'm going to probably catch a lot of crap for that. Anyway, finally, let's talk about this story popping up in Israel. This is pretty cool. An 11-year-old, 1100-year-old uh, treasure was unearthed by teenagers in Israel. 
And that's dope, dude. Like, who doesn't want to find a buried treasure? We don't get a lot of that these days, right? We don't get a lot of those stories anymore, I feel like. It feels like everything that has been discovered or should be discovered or is waiting to be discovered has been discovered. Uh, that's obviously not true, but it doesn't feel like we're getting as many of those discoveries as we were 100 years ago. Anyway, so it says here, the treasure needed to be secured. So the hoard of 425 gold coins was stowed away in a clay jar, its lid secured with a nail and stashed in the sands of what is now known as Central Israel. Then it sat undisturbed for more than 1,100 years until last week when two 18-year-olds taking part in an archaeological excavation by a hillside in, in Yavne, I'm probably mispronouncing that, noticed something unusual. I dug into the ground, and when I excavated the soil, I saw what looked like very thin leaves, says Oz Cohen, one of the teenagers. When I looked again, I saw these were gold coins. It was really exciting to find such a special and ancient treasure. Now, the teenagers were volunteers in a vast project linked to the construction of a community in Yanev, or y Yavne, south of Tel Aviv. The program offers the promise of connecting young people with history. And while it's meant to be culturally rewarding, it's not often that someone strikes gold, literally, which is true. And I actually really love the fact that it happened in this kind of program because archaeologic, uh, archaeological excavations and, and, and studying anthropology and understanding culture and history is always really cool. It's always really fascinating, especially uh, in that part of the world, which has seen so much conflict over the over the generations, over the centuries, over the millennia that we get. And now we kind of get a, an interesting look at what's going on at the time. So, in fact, Robert Kuhl, who is a coin expert at the Israel, uh, Israel Antiquities Authority, says that this was a rare treasure that could help archaeologists gain a deeper understanding of what was happening at the time. Saying the coins, which weigh less than two pounds, are made up of pure gold and date back to the ninth century. When the Abbasid Caliphate ruled the vast empire stretching from Persia to uh, in the east to North Africa and the west. So this was during a time period when there was a large caliphate ruling that entire area. Uh, now, the hoard consists of two of full gold dinars, but also in what is unusual contains about 270 small gold cuttings, pieces of gold dinars cut to serve as small change. So pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, 50 cent pieces you know, things like that, which is actually cool that they actually had that back then. I didn't realize that, you know, like the barter system, you don't ever think it's going to be, it's going to end up with having change. Yeah, I know back then you wouldn't think like, oh, I'll give you like four gold dinar for this, but it wouldn't be like four and a half dinar. Like who would cut up gold? It just seems after a while, there'd be a lot of lost pieces. I mean, we look at how many pennies we lose in nickels, dimes, quarters. How many of those we lose all the time? Imagine like full gold coins get lost like that. But back then they weren't as, they weren't seen, they were rare. They were, they were, they had value, but they didn't have what they have today. Anyway, now the cutting of gold and silver coins was a regular feature of the monetary system in Islamic countries after the 1850s with the sudden disappearance of bronze and copper coins. Its appearance in an Islamic coin hoard offers proof that the continuous connections between the two rival empires during this period, whether it was through war or trade, money kept flowing. And that is fascinating. That is so fascinating that money always flows. And that's very true. Even in wartime, money will always flow. There are people that are going to be finding a way to keep, keep trade going. They're going to, you know, munitions, uh, supplies, you know, textiles, uh, livestock, fruit, vegetables, people. I mean, money flowed back then and it didn't matter. Who was in charge? The almighty dollar controlled it. And that is something that's even true 
you know, 1100 years later. So it shows you that society, while maybe far more advanced than we, than we were uh, over, you know, 1100 years ago, just at, at its core, we're all still the same. Anyway, uh, Leah Nadva, Nadav Ziv and Eli Haddad, archaeologists at the Israel Antiquities Authority, which is in charge of the sprawling excavation site, did say that this indicates that international trade took place between the area's residents and remote areas. They also says that it was clear that the money had been hidden on purpose, which is very true. Uh, given where it was discovered and how it was discovered and the condition it was discovered, somebody really wanted to hide it, which is all the more intriguing. Now, the person who buried this treasure 1,100 years ago must have expected to retrieve it and even secured the vessel with a nail so that it would not move. We can only guess what prevented them from. Uh, we can only guess what prevented him from returning to collect this treasure. Yeah, the dude probably the dude clearly never made it back to X on the map. You know what I mean? Uh, it would have been worth a small fortune at the time. So this was probably something that was stolen, right? Maybe some uh, some illicit trade deals. Maybe something that would have been frowned upon by the caliphate. Uh, we obviously have no idea. Clearly, it's all a speculation game at this point. But it's still fascinating, nonetheless, to kind of talk about the aspect of what was going on in the world at the time. Uh, it says here, for instance, a person could buy a luxurious house in one of the best neighborhoods in Fustat, the enormous wealthy capital of Egypt in those days. That was how much money this was. So this right here, if I'm in, I'm just gonna, like, this is maybe about like, let's say I'm, I'm estimating, I mean like four or $5 million, you know, in our, in our current currency, or maybe even more than that. This is a hell of a find. Uh, and those kids are gonna, you know, that's pretty cool for those kids. So I have to give them up. I have to give them credit, uh, for the discovery of it. I think that's really cool that they found it. It gives you an idea that even though the, the tumultuous nature of that region and, and given how you have a lot of the, the, the people that were in charge at the time and how there was all these issues, uh, war and, and chaos and, and domination and everything else, uh, goes to show you that no matter what money always rules the roost. And this is just another uh, pure example of that and one that I think is absolutely freaking cool. So good on those guys. I know it's not really, it's a strange story. That's why I wanted to talk about it. It's not, no, no murder or chaos or death. Just some dudes coming across like a couple hundred gold dinar in the desert while excavating a site. Now the question becomes, what else are people going to find there? Because you know now it's going to be just lit up like Christmas trying to get out there and trying to find it. Anyway. Your thoughts, I want to hear them. And that actually wraps up today's episode. This is a, this is a cool one. I uh, thought it was interesting stories all around. I will try to update uh, a lot freak, more frequently with these with these new stories and, and what's going on in the world and the, and the strange and the weird and the wild and the WTF. Of course, this is Stranger Days, episode number three. My name is, of course, Matt Jarbo. Thank you again for watching. Please leave your comments below or let me know on social media at mjarbo. I'll talk to you guys later. Have yourself a great day and peace out.